And it is just after 4 o'clock. That means, indeed, it is time for your employment hour. Leah Moody, of course, is uh, joining me again this week. Leah, good to have you back here. Lots of stuff to get through tonight. Uh, reminder as well, phone lines are open. This is a call-in show. Feel free to call in with your questions about your job, your employment, your boss, your workplace. Anything under that topic that we cover each week uh, in, week in, week out here on the show is fair game. Uh, for that matter, so give us a call. We'd love to uh, love to talk to you. Six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. The phone lines are ready to go. We're going to get to as one of our topics tonight in between the calls. Uh, tips for your company holiday party. We're not talking about the fin that you put in the glass jar on the top of the bar. <laughs> not that tip. We're not talking tips to tip. keep your arse out of trouble. <laughs> That's right. We're going to safeguard you as the holiday parties continue here around Vancouver and pretty much everywhere, uh, at least in North America. Everybody's out enjoying uh, the Yule Tide, as they say. First, Leah, going to get to all that stuff a little later on. Some emails as well, but we always start with the week that was. Some things that have been happening and come across your desk in the last uh, couple. Couple weeks. What is happening? Well, um, there's the first thing that I really want to talk about this week um, was a situation that I had brought to court a while back and was succe- successful on, um, but continues to kind of keep cropping up. And I thought I would take a moment to chat about it because it's come up a lot in the last couple of weeks. And to be honest, I actually didn't realize how common of an issue this is until I became an mm-hmm. employment lawyer. Um, and, and what I'm talking about is essentially a company takeover. So uh, companies that are being bought or merging with another company. And what happens okay. to your employment in those situations? Um, and basically, as an employee for the company that's being bought, you're going to fall into one of three categories. And that all depends on whether or not um, a job is offered and what kind of job offer that is. So when the new company takes over, if no job is offered to you with the new company, then it's simple. You've been terminated and you're entitled Mm -hmm. to severance from the company that you had been working with before. If the job offered to you uh, by the new company is the same substantially as the position that you held before, then you would have a legal obligation to accept it. Um, that is, uh, that's because of your duty to mitigate. And what that means is that as a terminated employee, you've got a duty to try to do everything you can to reduce the damages that you suffer as a result of your termination. So okay. our law says if you are essentially terminated from your new job, offered the exact same position at the new one, and you turn it down, then you've essentially contributed to your own loss and you're not entitled to common law severance in the way that you might otherwise would be. Now, for personal reasons, you can turn that job down, right? I mean, just because you've got the legal obligation to doesn't mean, you know, you're you're forced to. There might be all sorts of personal reasons why you don't want to continue on in that employment, In, in which case you can turn it down and then you'd only be entitled to your uh, Employment Standards Act minimums from the first company. If if the job offered to you by the new company is not the same substantially, that's where it starts to get really interesting because then you've got the legal right to turn it down and claim severance even though there is a job offer on the table. And so obviously a lot of the law that revolves around this is what does it mean that a job isn't the same? Right? Is it just that they, they, you know, they've changed my hours from nine to five, day to four? Is it that they're asking me to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday instead of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday? Um, so right. a lot of the law surrounds what it means to have a job be different and what uh, entitles you to turn it down and still claim severance. So this woman that I represented. 
She was a, a legal assistant, actually, for 14 years. And this new firm took over. Uh, she received a new contract, which offered her the exact same position as a legal assistant in the same area of law and actually had better pay. It was a raise of about $2,500 a year. So not substantial, but okay. I mean, still, you know, nothing to uh, turn your nose up at. The big thing was that for the first time in 14 years, she was given an employment agreement. And this was like mm-hmm. a doozy of an employment agreement. Um, you know, she had never had any of the terms and conditions of her employment reduced to writing before. And in this situation, this was about a 22-page employment agreement that, uh, wow. yeah, it was it was pretty <sighs> lengthy. Um, you know, uh, it took me a couple days to get through it and to go through it with her. Um And at the end of the day, I encouraged her to ask a couple of questions about it because there were a couple of terms and provisions in there that I wasn't fully comfortable with, especially after 14 years of having not been on a contract. So she uh, messages the new owner, asks these questions, and the owner says, we've we've gone in another direction. So he pulls the offer. Um, So I sued for wrongful dismissal because she no longer had a job and uh, and I said that she was entitled to severance. Uh, both the lower level court and the court of appeal uh, agreed with me, um, but essentially said something really interesting that it's not just a change in pay or a change in position um, or a change in location that can constitute a change. It's also a, a really rigorous employment agreement. So the court found that the new contract, this this 22-page employment agreement, changed the term so sufficiently that she could legally turn it down. So, for example, it limited her termination entitlements for the first time in 14 of years. Of course. Yep. Um, it changed her vacation entitlements. It allowed her to be laid off at any time. It had a, a right oh. of assignment. Yeah, so all of these ways in which her common law entitlements, um, the way that she had built her common law entitlements over the last 14 years, years, they were all being changed by way of this one contract. And so the court said this was, even though she was working as an administrative assistant for the exact same pay, if not better, over the next year, the contract made it so different that she could turn it down and still get severance. Um, So I just really wanted to take the opportunity today to remind people that um, you know, you don't have an obligation necessarily to continue on with the new company if it's not the same job. And whether or not it's the same job, whether or not you've got the legal obligation to accept it is so, so fact specific and fact dependent. So before you sign off on anything, just highly recommend contacting a lawyer to really take a close look at that for you. You know, it's and it's funny too. We often say on the show when it comes to employment and a new job, or when a new company takes over and you're offered an agreement, less is more. Like you're better off going in with a handshake rather than a single piece of paper. Never mind twenty two. And people find that weird. They find that you know I don't feel secure with that because they're thinking you know signing up to a mortgage, you want all the paperwork and legalese you can handle. Uh, you know, when you lease a car, you want to make sure you've got the paperwork and you sign a prenup. What yeah. did you just say that? But uh, <laughs> all that stuff, right? But no, employment's different, man. Less is more. If it's a handshake, you're golden. That's you're golden. so that's so true, and it's so funny that you say that because I've had a couple of people who call me for intakes and consultations, and I say to them, you know, well, do you have an employment contract? And they they seem almost yeah. like ashamed or embarrassed to admit that they don't. And and it's, and I just want to say, you know, that that's actually wonderful for you for the most yeah. part, right? Don't like rock not, the boat. Exactly. <laughs> not having those terms reduced to writing are generally going to be in favor are in your favor unless you have a an equitable hand 
in crafting that contract. So if you right. are an equal party at that negotiating table uh, and you can say, this is what I want and the company will give it to you, then that's great, right? Clarity of terms, both parties will know what the other is entitled to and what the rights and obligations are. But for the vast majority of employees, not having things in writing actually substantially works out in the employee's favor. What else you got going on? We got a couple minutes here before we break. Yeah, sure. So um, I was speaking at um, at an event recently about uh, for small businesses for about just sort of general mm-hmm. employment law. And this woman approached me afterwards to say that she works in HR and uh, she's always told the companies that she works for that it's not enough to simply call someone a contractor, which is absolutely true. But she said, yep. you know, you have to say that that they are in writing. You have to say that they're a contractor in writing in an employment agreement and that having it in writing would be sufficient to make the worker a contractor. And I kind of had to take a minute to correct her on that because I also think that that's that's another common misconception that you can Mm -hmm. just say, okay, I say you're a contractor. The employee agrees with me that they're a contractor, so therefore they're a contractor. But that is not how it works. Um, no. You know, simply calling them contractors are not going to be sufficient. I had to tell this woman that you know putting that title is is great, but it ends up actually being about what the working relationship looks like and how it actually plays out and not so much what you decide to call the relationship even formally. Having things in writing can be immensely helpful, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can put things in the contract that certainly would point to a contractor relationship. But the things that you ultimately want to take care to do um, are, are only things that can be manifested in the working relationship itself. So the two main things that you want to look at when determining whether or not your employee is a true employee or whether or not they are a contractor is how much control the worker has over their um, over their work and how integrated they are into the company. Uh, if you've got and if you've got a worker who makes their own hours, who sets their own rate of pay, who brings in their own tools, um, who has their own workforce, even then they have a lot of control over the work that they do, and they're probably going to be classified legally as contractors, even if you've called them an employee. Um, conversely, if you've got an employee who um, you know has an office. An office space has a dedicated desktop, um, has um, you know uh, business cards, is invited to the Christmas party, uh, you know yep. it is you know per, has their performance appraised. Then they're going to be seen as integrated sufficiently into the working environment that they are going to be seen as employees, even if you've you know stamped contractor all over their forehead and put that all over their their uh, employment agreement. So. Important lesson to be learned here that, and this is what I tried to communicate to this woman as well, that, you know, you have to, you have to make sure that the relationship reflects the title because the title is not going to be sufficient to make somebody a contractor versus an employee. Good stuff to know there. We're going to take a short break. In the meantime, we have time for you to call in and uh, drop us a line, ask a question about your job, employment, your severance, possibly if you're uh, staring at a letter right now. If not, for interest's sake, give us a call. Leah here to answer your questions right till uh, just before 5 o'clock, number 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. And the email is help at employmenthour.com. Lots more on the way. Just getting warmed up. It's the Employment Hour right here on CKNW. You are indeed. Lots of time for you to call in, ask your questions about employment, about your job. It is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. 
And anytime you want to check out uh, while you're listening to the show, severancepaycalculator.com, that will tell you exactly uh, with three basic questions to start off how much severance you are actually owed. It is not the number that's on that letter. We can almost guarantee it. <laughs> and over uh, over half a million people have used severancepaycalculator.com to find out exactly that information. So this time of year, I mean, a lot of them have already taken place, that's for sure, but the company holiday parties continue some of them near the end of the week, some on the weekends, and people are just getting out and, uh, you know, blowing off a little company steam. But there is things that you should be doing from a legal standpoint and should not be doing. A lot of people say, yeah, no guff, but a lot of people go a little bit too far. And, uh, you know, they need to be reeled in. They need to be uh, pulled back from what they should be doing. So we want to talk about this for the next little while uh, in between phone calls. That is tips for your company holiday party. This is a nice one. I, I like when you pull this one out, Lee. It's good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for our firm, as you know. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, for those those employers out there who haven't had their had their holiday party yet, um, you know, and a lot of companies I find lately have been doing this uh, Christmas in January thing because they know how busy people are in December. So a lot of people have their right. holiday parties in January. So I thought that we would, uh, we would spend some time today talking about some tips for your company holiday party, especially now that uh, cannabis has been legalized, which will probably be a really oh, interesting right. one. Yeah. Yeah, right, so, right. But the, the games will change at the parties for sure, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's just going to be a, a whole new adjustment, I think. But you know, the first the first tip I think that uh, that stands out to me is that you should never do anything at the party that you wouldn't do at the office, um, and yeah, that right. really should be made into a poster and just plastered all over the holiday party walls. Um, you know, don't treat the party as an extension of the office. Ask yourself, right. would I do this at my desk? Would I do this in the break room? And if the answer is no, or even if it's just, well, maybe, don't do it at your company yeah. Christmas party. Um, this is because, again, every work event legally is an extension of your workplace. So all the rules governing right. employment relationships continue to apply, and that includes human rights legislation, harassment policies, and WorkSafe BC regulations. You are right. not in this like gap in the space-time continuum where the rules don't apply <sighs> to you at a holiday party, much as it might feel that way. And people act that way all the time. If you misbehave at your company holiday party, you will be disciplined. If you harass a coworker, you could be fired. And if you're a boss, a supervisor, or if you're in human resources, you have the same duties that you always do to ensure that the workplace is free from harassment. And that includes a company party that's free from harassment. So if you're not planning on hugging and kissing your colleague on Monday at the office, don't do it on a Friday night. And, you know, especially for the bosses, you would assume that that's the, uh, you know, the wise person in the room, but sometimes they have to lead by example. And these apply to the bosses, especially because even at a workplace party, regardless of where it is and what's going on, the employees will still look up to the boss to see who's, uh, to who's leading the way as far as appropriate behavior is concerned, right? Yeah. And it's funny because I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, bosses have to set the example, but employees also have to, look for an example and then follow that example. I mean, it's yeah. always kind of my rule of thumb. It's like, don't get more drunk than your boss, right? Like you wouldn't think right. that's something right. that you have to communicate to people. But, you know, if, if certain conversations are had, things are said, you know, the last person that you want to be uh, in a more sober state, remembering the things that you say is the person who's going to be in charge of your paycheck and performance review. Um, so, right. I, you know, I think that it's, it's on everybody 
to remember that this is an extension of the workplace. And I, I understand that, you know, and especially with my next tip, which is monitoring alcohol consumption, I, I sound yeah. like a total Grinch. I mean, I love parties. I love good times. Um, but, you know, we also have to keep in mind that holiday parties can also be really difficult for some people who may already feel marginalized in the workplace um, and can wow. sometimes be the icing on a harassment cake that has been baking for a year, right? I mean, people who have been <sighs> feeling yeah. like things have been uh, brewing over a period of time can really come to a head when alcohol is involved. And so everybody just kind of needs to be aware that um, that these can be powder keg situations. Well, I think a lot of the, that that problem arises, and I know you've been, we've been, we've all been to company parties. Is you know, if if it were a normal after work event, and you went out with say a couple people from the office, you might have you know a couple libations, and it'd be okay. But sometimes, if the company is doing well and they like to throw a good party, it's kind of an open bar situation. So people think they have carte blanche to start getting hammered, and it goes back to what you say: alcohol consumption within the party and I don't even want to mention about how they get home god forbid they get behind the wheel but this yeah. all ramps up to alcohol alcohol consumption right yeah exactly alcohol consumption and this year cannabis consumption and yeah. that's yeah. going to be an interesting one too because i mean remember your your company might have an open bar and your company might you know have to legally permit you to go outside to smoke cannabis or use mm-hmm. cannabis um, but if they if they just have a general distaste for people who become hot messes at Christmas parties, or if they don't like people who um, you know use cannabis openly in a situation like that, they can still fire you. They don't need a reason to terminate you. They can let you go and pay you severance, right? And and that's right. you know one of the biggest reasons why I think people have to be on their best behavior is because you know you might not hand your company a legally justifiable reason to terminate you for cause, but if you generally make people feel uncomfortable, if you are that guy at the party, um, you know your company might say enough is enough, and they might hand you uh, what should be a good package and if it's not use the severance cal- severance pay calculator um, but you know they can they can still get rid of you and you can still lose your job uh, so that's just that's something that that I like to to keep an eye on and that is ultimately where we get into my second tip which is monitoring alcohol consumption and this is yeah. both yeah. for the employer and the employee and I understand that this is also my most wildly unpopular tip, Um, but honestly, it's probably the easiest solution is to monitor alcohol consumption, limit and monitor alcohol consumption. Consider not having an open bar, or if you feel like you must have an open bar, don't allow shots. Right. I mean, that that's a very easy way to ensure that people don't overdo it on alcohol at their company parties. Have drink tickets and give two or three to every employee with the rest being a reduced cash bar or make the whole thing a reduced cash bar and offer free wine at dinner or have your holiday party over brunch. Just remember that no boss in the history of time has ever woken up the morning after a company holiday party and wished that all their employees had just been a little bit drunker. You know, so I <laughs> I think I think that, you know, the best thing that you can do to make sure that everybody's on their best behavior and you're not dealing with a slew of harassment complaints or workplace issues over the next coming weeks um, is to limit and monitor alcohol consumption at uh, at the holiday parties. 
The number, by the way, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Before we uh, break here in a couple of minutes, we'll slide this one in. Another uh, tip of the company holiday party. I know you got this on the list uh, nextly, and that is call attention to inappropriate behavior, which kind of can stem from the alcohol consumption. It probably almost always would stem from the alcohol consumption <laughs> because all of the same reporting and investigation obligations continue to exist throughout after work right. events. So, you know, in, in your now relatively sober state, hopefully, pay attention to what's happening around you and to others. If you at this at the holiday party, if you see or experiencing or experience anything that's untoward or inappropriate, bring it to your boss's attention. Write it down, especially if you are a supervisor or a manager or an HR manager and you've got a duty to investigate these kinds of things. You don't have to tolerate or witness anything at a party that you wouldn't tolerate at an office. So if something doesn't feel right, let that individual know. Or if it's not appropriate, let HR or your supervisor know. Either way, you've got to report and investigate those complaints the exact same way that you would in the office. We'll take a short break in that regard. Get to a few more of these tips for the company holiday party because, uh, you know, tis that time of year. Plus, we'll also get into times you need an employment lawyer. Stick around for all that. The phone lines are open for you as well. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's the Employment Hour right here on CKNW. Still plenty of time for you to call in and ask your questions here. Either it's, uh, you know, about behavior at the company party or simple employment questions. Doesn't matter. Bring it on 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It is a call-in show. Email is help at employmenthour.com as well. I want to get to a couple more of these, uh, Leah, before we move on to uh, the times you need an employment lawyer especially. That is tips for your company holiday party. The next one is have and review harassment policies. I bet you this one does not happen too often with most companies prior to a holiday party. No, which is actually unfortunate and kind of crazy because um, WorkSafe BC requires that employers have harassment policies in place. Uh, if you don't, you can be fined. So first and foremost, just generally make sure that you have harassment policies in place. But this will especially be important in advance of, of a situation where alcohol is involved. Um, these policies also need to set out that you know, clearly that harassment is not tolerated and how harassment mm-hmm. complaints need to be made and how they will be dealt with. If you only have it in, you know, the employee handbook or the company booklet that you gave to people when they're first hired, post a copy of the harassment policy in particular in the bake room or, you know, put it up on the internet or send it around via email. Um, better yet, have a meeting and go over it together. You know, um, nothing says Christmas like reminding people about a uh, harassment <laughs> policy right before a holiday yeah. party. Just make sure that they exist uh, and that your employees know about them. You know, it's funny, too, because we've all, I'm sure you included, have worked in places where there is a harassment policy. But, yeah, it's its in some binder, uh, someone's desk on the eighth floor, and you may have been handed to it uh, when you first started, but you're more in, in, you're more in, in, you know, uh, interested in finding out what holidays you get. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. And the harassment policy ended up gets filed somewhere. You know, you never read it. Exactly. I think that most employees don't even know if their employers have one. Um, and a lot right. of companies don't know that a big part of your obligation is not just to have one, but to make your employees aware of it. It's not enough to just stick it into an employee handbook, uh, you know, like a 100-page employee handbook, and then ask them to sign an acknowledgement that they've read it. 
most people don't read those things, um, nope. you know, or like you said, they'll just skip through it to see what holidays they get. Um, you know, that's actually an employee handbook is often where termination provisions are embedded as well. Uh, right. Another reason to make sure that you look through that or give a lawyer a call to l- review it, uh, which would be even better. But no, certainly, uh, you know, those harassment policies need to be made known to your employees. And that's that's ultimately something that you want to have be common knowledge anyway, because, you know, ha- knowing that, you know, having employees employees that know that their back is protected, that they've got this avenue to go down if they're in um, a situation that makes them uncomfortable, will make people feel safer in the workplace. uh, And ultimately, I think, lead to a more thriving workplace and be more productive. John, do we have you there? Yeah, sorry. I'm just just reading the rest of your notes. I think the last one here kind of... um, it's kind of a result of the people who have the harassment policy before the party, and it didn't quite sink in. And this is what happens after that goes down. And the last tip we're going to talk about here uh, this hour is escalate the issues, if not dealt with appropriately at the party. Yeah, and that's, you know, if something inappropriate happened at the Christmas party and you reported it, but nothing was done about it or you were ignored or, you know, probably more commonly told to relax because, you know, it's the holiday party, loosen up escalate it through the appropriate channels. And this could mean taking it to human resources, uh, you know, to your general manager or or even the owner. Now, if the subject of your complaint is the owner or you've escalated right. it as high as you can go with the same results, give me a call. Not appropriately dealing with harassment in the workplace is a major problem for employers and could give rise to a constructive dismissal of your employment. If an employer lets harassment continue in the workplace unfettered, then there's an argument that they've made the workplace so poisonous that future employment isn't possible there anymore. In this case, you can treat the employment relationship as being terminated and you could be entitled to severance. However, because the bar is pretty high on this uh, in BC, I would definitely recommend contacting a lawyer before you do anything on that. And you want to contact Leah anytime, by the way, 604-283-3123. And uh, email is help at employmenthour.com. Uh, we got Brad on the line. Thanks for calling in, Brad. We'll get to you. You can call as well, 604-280-9898. Brad, uh, go ahead. What's uh, what's your concern, pal? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm actually phoning for my wife. She uh, okay. works for a store that is presently being closed. And I'm interested in, is there a severance pay that has to be paid on a store closing? Absolutely. Do you know if they're closing because of a bankruptcy? Uh, They're not calling it a bankruptcy, but they do have trustees involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that they are not allowed to use liquidation, they're not allowed to use bankruptcy, and they're not allowed to use... Um, going out of business. And let me be clear, the only reason that I ask about that um, is because it just affects how easily your wife might be be able to obtain her severance. Either way, a store closing, she's out of a job, not through her own volition. That entitles her to severance. Okay, full stop. Um, If the company has gone bankrupt, which it doesn't sound like they have, but if they had, the reason why that's important is because she would essentially just become one of many unsecured creditors. Uh, and that means that at the end of the day, after you know all other creditors are satisfied, she's probably going to get pennies on the dollar for a severance pay. But if they haven't claimed bankruptcy yet, then chances are there are assets that can be liquidated, um, you know, their uh, accounts receivable that can go towards the severance pay of their employees. Um, so they're, they're, I've dealt 
dealt many times with employees who are in a situation with stores simply closing, and they're definitely still entitled to severance. Do you know how long she's worked at the company for? Uh, She opened the store in September two years ago. Okay. So, and how old is she? Uh, 60. 60. And do you know what position uh, she held? She's just a sales clerk. Oh, there's no jest about it. Um, sales <laughs> sales clerks are, are getting longer and longer periods of notice as well. Um, you know, it can be difficult to find a, a comparable sales associate position. I had one guy that I was representing mm-hmm. who was a sales associate, and it took him seven months to find uh, to find an alternate sales associate position. So it can be it can be a difficult search out there. But for a sixty year old, you know. With two years of employment working in a sales clerk position, you know you're looking at three to five months of severance. I would say pretty easily. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but you're down the down the list of creditors, right? Is that how it works? No, 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 no. There's no there's no creditor situation at this time because there's no liquidation proceedings yet. Um, so as it is as it stands right now, uh, as long as you know nothing has happened since you last checked in with the company, your wife is simply entitled to severance. Now there is court, there is court filings. There are court filings for bankruptcy. Not for bankruptcy. Uh, I think it's proposal for. I think they're trying to uh, restructure the for the credit. I know that they're closing like eighty six stores out of a hundred. Oh wow! wow. Okay, um, yeah. So. I think that if, if nothing has been finalized yet in the courts, um, you know, there's certainly nothing yet to be concerned about. And ultimately, you don't know what the list of creditors is going to be. Um, if you can catch well, we've been it... Given a list, we've been given a list of creditors. You have. Okay. And is it a very lengthy list? Um, it's a fair lengthy list, but one of the biggest ones is the bank, of course. It always is. Um, <laughs> what I what I recommend in these kinds of situations here, Brad, is that the sooner you get on this, the better, right? Because the more embroiled they become with their list of creditors and bankruptcy proceedings, the more that your wife and other employees are just going to fall to the bottom of the priority list in the employer's mind generally. So if okay. you can kind of get her on their radar ASAP and say, look, I'll sign a full and final release so you never even have to worry about me if you give me two months severance or three months severance or something at the bottom end of the range, whereas otherwise I can sue you and possibly get five or six months of severance. Um, you know, then that might be something that the company might be um, agreeable to simply just to get that off of their docket. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I, I certainly recommend that this is something that you or your wife call me about off the air. Uh, I'd be happy to help you walk through the process of getting your wife's situation on the radar so that she can get the severance that she's entitled to because she certainly earned it. Okay. And, and how do I get a hold of you? Uh, John, you have that I info, will give right? you the number, yep. Thanks. I'll give you the number right now, Brad. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the call and, and indeed make that call 604-283-3123 again 604-283 3123. You can email Leah as well at uh, helpandemploymenthour.com. John, Bob, see you guys standing by in the wings. Hang on. We will get to you after a short break. And you as well, if you want to call through 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's the Employment Hour. This is CKNW. 
are still time for you to call in, ask your question, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. Anytime you want to email Leah, you can do so and get a hold of her to help at employmenthour.com. Moving along as we do, John, you are, uh, you're coming up next. How are you, pal? What's your concern? Thanks, uh, guys. Hey, I appreciate your, your show um, and really good information there. I ha- I'm calling on behalf of my son who, the last two jobs he's worked in, he's working in a junior accounting position where he's constantly expected to work overtime, you know, at least an hour, maybe even an hour and a half beyond regular hours, and it's just expected. And, you know, when I say to him, why don't you just leave? He says, well, everybody else in the department's working overtime too, and there's always a, you know, a project or a deadline or whatever. So, you know, where does he stand in that? Yeah, do you know, uh, I mean, it's a great question, and uh, I feel like I've been dealing with overtime issues a lot lately. Um, there's so such a lack of clarity around overtime issues. Um, John, do you know if your son has any kind of contract that speaks to an expectation with respect to overtime? You know, he does have a contract, but I, I can't tell you whether whether there's anything uh, written about it. Um, right. You know, one of, the, one of his employers was a, was a government uh, entity, you know, at uh, arm's length uh, of the provincial government, and everybody in, the depa- everybody in all the departments with the exception of finance were out of there at 4.30, like you typically expect in a government situation. But, you know, he was expected, or their departments were expected to over- work overtime all the time. Yeah, well, the reason why I ask is because um, you can say in, a, in an employment agreement or a contract that uh, there is an expectation that you'll be working overtime and the salary that you're getting is meant to encompass those those hours and this is how many hours they would be or, or they can speak to overtime in some other way. So, you know, I was curious about whether or not you had that information, but generally speaking, somebody who is entitled to overtime under the Employment Standards Act um, or you know, is is eligible for overtime hours needs to be paid uh, time and a half for all hours worked that are in it in addition to eight hours a day or forty hours a week. So your son should certainly, unless the contract speaks to the contrary, or unless he's part of an exemption under the Employment Standards Act, he should be being provided with overtime pay. The difficulty with that, and the difficulty that I think comes up a lot with respect to overtime pay is that people don't want to rock the boat. Um, I actually just had this conversation with my brother uh, who was getting uh, loo time instead of overtime hours, but he was getting hour for hour instead of, um, you know, time and a half for every hour that he was banking. And I said, you know, this is something that you should be getting compensated for. And his response to me was, you know, what am I supposed to do? Complain and then I'm out of job. They'll just hire somebody else who's willing to work those hours and not be paid for it. Um, and, you know, there are people who work in that company that do that uh, without complaint. You know, so why would they why would they pay, pay me when they can just hire someone who won't be the squeaky wheel? And I imagine your son, if everyone else in the company who's working those hours not being paid, probably feels similarly. Um, one of the interesting things about the Employment Standards Branch is that you can file a complaint with the Employment Standards Branch to cause them to conduct an investigation into workplace practices generally. So you can cause a complaint uh, with the Employment Standards Branch such that they'll investigate whether or not overtime is being properly paid to everybody. Um, So that can be a good alternative to lodging a complaint just for him where he kind of makes him 
himself the the like I said the squeaky wheel. Um, but I definitely think you know that it's something that's worth bringing to the employment standards branch attention. And for your son's information, he only has six months. Uh, to make that complaint. Uh, otherwise, he can't get back pay beyond that point. Now, six months from any any overtime he's worked as opposed to when he started working there or something like that, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, so the last and time that he the, worked overtime and wasn't paid. Does it matter if he is uh, a salaried employee or an hourly employee paid? No, no, you're still entitled to time and a half for hours worked. Unless, like I said, the contract specifically says that your salary is meant to encompass X number of overtime hours, right? So if that's and typically, typically would that say a specific number of hours you're expected to write uh, to work as opposed to just a general comment that you're expected to work overtime? Generally, yes. Yeah. So, it, you know, a, a carte blanche, um, you know, statement in a contract that says that your salary is meant to encompass all overtime hours wouldn't be appropriate because then that gives the company the ability to cause you to work anywhere from one to thousands of overtime hours, right? You want to make sure that uh, that there has been some calculation at a base level such that the salary that you're getting is $65,000, but in exchange for 50 overtime hours a year, you're getting the equivalent of what time and a half for those additional hours would be. So, exactly. there, so there should be a hard number there, yes. Okay, that's fantastic. Thanks for the uh, information. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. Appreciate uh, your call, John. That was uh, was wonderful. We will uh, we'll carry on now and get to, uh, to Bob, I believe. Hey, Bob, how are you? Hi. What's going on? Um, so I work at a company, and I'm guaranteed 28 and a half hours per week, but three times in the past 14 months, they've come to me and said, you know what, we don't have any work this month. So, um, and now they're telling me that in a couple of months, my position will disappear. So I'm wondering if there's anything I can do before that happens. Yes, this is a very good question. And I'm going to split it into two different issues. Uh, The first being the uh, change in your hours or the fact that you've had a couple of months where you've been told that they didn't have work for you. And the second being the eventual disappearance of your job altogether. Um, If you had at the moment where they said, we don't have any work for you this month, you're not going to get your 28 hours this week, uh, you know, or go home, we'll, we'll catch you, we'll catch you on the flip side. Um, you know, that's something that in that moment you could have objected to uh, and said, you know, I'm going to, I don't have to accept this. I'm going to elect to treat this as a termination of my employment and you now owe me severance. Okay. OK, but because it's happened three times over the last 14 months, most BC courts are going to say that you've accepted that as a condition or term of your employment. They're now going to say because you've allowed them to send you home um, three times over the last year, that is now something that has become a term of your employment that they're allowed to continue to do. Um, you know, if if your job continues on, I would still uh, just put in writing to them that this is not something that you agree to on a going forward basis that you know you've just you've helped them out thinking that this was these were just one offs over the last year but this is not something that you're prepared to uh, you know give into over the over the foreseeable future. Uh, mm-hmm. But generally speaking, there's nothing that you can do about that right now other than I would say putting that in writing uh, that you object to it now. That is a completely separate issue from whether or not your job disappears entirely 
in the near future. If your job disappears entirely and they don't have work for you anymore, then that's a, that's just a straight up termination of your employment yeah. and that entitles you to severance. Um, how long have you been there, Bob? Mm, a little over four years. Okay. And what position are you working in? I'm at Taylor. Okay. Uh, and how old are you? Uh, 60. Okay. Uh, I, I don't see you getting anywhere less than four months and certainly in the range of four to six months. And that includes, you know, uh, your salary, any benefits, if the company pays your MSP, if you have pension contributions, any bonuses that you would have earned, um, you know, that will include the, the whole kit and caboodle. So uh, if, if your job does end up um, being more permanently removed, then you should definitely give me a call so that we can make sure that you're getting the severance package that you're entitled to. But in the interim, Bob, I would really, really strongly recommend that you send um, you know, your manager or whoever is appropriate in the situation an email just to say that you know, th- the last three years, nothing, you were never asked to go home. Uh, and then over the last year, this was just something that you uh, allowed because you did them a favor. You thought that they would be one-offs, but this is not something that is sustainable for you going forward, just so that you get that in writing. And then we might have a leg to stand on in the future if it continues to happen. Okay. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome, Bob. Bye. Thanks, Bob. Uh, appreciate that, Bob. You want to reach out uh, afterwards, of course, that number is 604-283-3123. That is exactly how you do it and help at employmenthour.com as well. Just before we go, uh, Leah, run us through the severance pay calculator once again so people have something to take away from the show today. Yes. So what the severance pay calculator is, and I can't believe 500, did you say 500 million? Did I hear? No, no, no. What did you say? How many people have seen it? Half a million. Uh, f- uh, over over 500,000 have used it. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. crazy. Anyway, yeah, it's a man. website and an app that was created by my firm um, to help people quickly and easily figure out what the range of their severance entitlements is. Um, you know, we tell people all the time to call a lawyer and review the package before signing off on it, but that's obviously very difficult in the moment. So this is just a very easy way of getting on the phone, getting on a website, looking up what you're entitled to. You put in your age, you put in your position, you put in your length of service, and you'll instantly know the range of notice that you're entitled to. Uh, SeverancePayCalculator.com, very popular among 500,000 people, apparently, uh, and I'm a big fan of it as well. So give give it a shot. There you are. Till next time, good work. And to reach out, uh, contact Lior, Leah, the rest of the team, 604-283-3123 and help at employmenthour.com. Till next time, it's been the Employment Hour on CKNW.